Okay, so we're recording now. So just give me a little test talking. A little test talking? Yeah, a little test talking. A little test talking like this? A little test talking just like that. That's real good. Wait, what kind of talking? A little test talking. Gotcha. Check, check. Check, check. I didn't even mean like check, check the mic. I meant like check and check. <laughs> like a check mark. Well, it worked. It worked for both. Morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is A Vague Idea. It's a comedy trivia podcast. I'm Nate Regolia, and each week, we subject our guests to a list of topics to find out if they have a vague idea. And this week, we're going to be talking about the murders and unsolved mysteries that just drive us wild. We're talking about true crime. And we're going to be doing that this week with one fantastic guest who... In the tradition of this podcast, whenever there's one guest, is playing against death itself. And this, there's a lot of stakes for me right now because the single guest we have this week is my lovely, wonderful wife, who I would like to survive. So I'm going to be very upset if she can't uh, beat death today on the show um, because, you know, I, I've had to make deals to have this podcast. So uh, blood will have to be paid. <laughs> my lovely wife. Jenny Rigolia. Jenny, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Thanks for coming back on. I'm here. <laughs> you are. You are. So uh, we're both here all the time together. It's that's, kind of the thing that we do. That's true. Yeah. It's our, it's our jam and our vibe. This happens whether or not there's a microphone on or not. <laughs> it's true. I know. I, I subject you to a lot of, to a lot of this underlined and italicized and bolded. <laughs> true. Oh, it's not true or false. Go yeah. Ahead. No, no, yeah. We haven't we haven't started yet. We haven't started yet. But to to survive, you're going to have to score 20 points. Otherwise, the the cold bony hands of death will rake you down into the depths of whatever nether world you believe in. I think you made that sound more appealing than it actually is. I mean, at this point, isn't it a little appealing? <laughs> it's kind of hot, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, you know. Uh we're we're one, it's it's summertime, so it's pretty warm. So the idea of cold hands on you is great anyway. And then also, uh, the world sucks in a lot of ways, so just checking out doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, no. <laughs> true. <I'm just> <laughs> so we're going to talk about true crime, which is something that you and I uh, consume a lot of together. So my opening question for you is just what about it is interesting to you? What draws you to, to the true crime? That's a good question. Um... I think that mostly just the mystery. Like, I think I grew up with my mom watching a lot of episodes of, like, 2020 and Dateline and various trials that were televised. And so there was always, at least the way those shows are produced, not trials, but um, you don't know what's going to happen at first. So whether it's unsolved or solved, there's still just a little bit of, like... I don't know, maybe a little bit of a detective in all of us that wants to crack the case and see if you can figure it out or, you know, 
if you can't, like, just try to understand why it happened, I guess. Yeah, I think I think that's a big part of it is that the world is so we already underlined it. It's dark and confusing and violent and all these things. And like the idea that you could figure out why in some instances, even if it's a very isolated instance, is is really powerful. Or just the fact that you could feel like you have any sense of control over anything, even if it's just, oh, I can crack why this particular person snapped. You might be able to prevent it in yourself, I guess, too. Right. Or, I don't know, at least, like, keep yourself safe. I think there's an aspect of if you understand the way someone who does horrendous things is thinking, there's a way, well, at least in our mind, maybe there's a way to avoid that or spot it before it happens to you or that sort of thing. So Yeah, yeah. I'm not the type of person who has, like, a sick fascination, a fascination like some people, but I think I do kind of want to understand because... I'm trying to stay one step ahead of getting murdered. Hell yeah. Well, yeah. And then and then that poses that classic Nietzschean thing about, like, how long can you gaze into the abyss before it stares into you, which I think is kind of the, the big concern about what true crime is after uh, maybe the decade of it, bu- of it booming and then what it's going to be later. Because, uh, you know, I don't know how much of the worst of the world we can consume in interest, even if it's in a very academic interest of trying to be better or trying to figure out how evil works without without losing a little bit of whatever's in us that keeps us sort of, uh, what's the word? Like, innocent. Yeah. Not murdery. Not murdery. <laughs> very good. I'm going to give you five points for that. That was a great job on the opening how, how question. How does this point system work for it, there's nothing. There's no rhyme or reason in the point system. It's beautiful. Okay. It's beautifully disorganized. But hey, five points. Now, you could get negative points at some point, but you're only 15 points away from not dying now. All right. Okay? All right. Round number one. Do you have a vague idea about Anna Delvey? Does that count as true crime? I guess it does. It's, it's not murdery, but it's... Yeah. I mean, the cr- criminal acts were committed, I think. Yeah, I guess. If you consider, like bilking rich people out of some of their money. <laughs> I mean, the law considers it that. I don't know if it's actually... Look, sure. we're in this, We're on the same page on whether or not so, ripping off rich people is bad. Anna Delvey of Inventing Anna, which I feel like most people have seen at this point, is a con artist, I guess, a grifter um, from not that long ago, I guess maybe five years ago is when this was happening, but... She basically pretended to be an heiress um, and convinced a lot of acquaintances to either just sort of front her money or invest money into this foundation that she claimed that she was building um, called the Anna Delvey Foundation. And eventually it all sort of came crashing down um, after a reporter, well, I guess she went to trial, but then a reporter also did some more digging and figured out that... She wasn't really who she said she was. Um, the wire transfer was never coming. <laughs> wire transfer. Wire transfer. Yeah, very good. Absolutely. Anna Sorokin? That's uh, her real I was name. I couldn't remember. I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. It was on the tip of my brain. That was a, that was a fun one to watch. I mean, and that, was. Was a, that was a dramatization of the thing, because it had Anna Klumsky of My Girl fame in it as the reporter. Uh, but, yeah, what an interesting thing that... that what it demonstrates is how easy it is to get money out of investors by being, um, you know, confident, pretty, and 
capable of forging documents that would imply that you're you're rich. You just don't have money on you. Yeah, it's really just a like fake it till you make it sort of thing where, you know, if you put on an act with enough confidence, people will buy it. Um, yeah, I was talking to somebody about this recently. We kind of agreed that the reason it's more of a fun true crime story as opposed to depressing or scary is because it's a little lower stakes, right? Like, no one's getting murdered, no one's getting <laughs> physically hurt. Um, at worst, people are losing some money who already had money to begin with. Yeah, and it's uncovering kind of the, the ironic uh, religion of capitalism that... <laughs> the rocket's going to jingle jangle. That's going to lead people to believe that, like, someone who bears the cross of, of money is going to be good for it later when uh, it turns out, yeah. Um, and this this will be a theme. This will be a theme that we touch on uh, throughout these true crime pieces. Uh, so, yeah, great job. I'm going to give you two points. Just two? Just two. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just giving you two points. Okay. It's worth more, but that's fine. <laughs> well, I'm, hey, look, you can, uh, you can argue with the judge off mic later on. <laughs> I'll give you his information. It'll be, uh, you know, you can get... Get in touch with him over email. <laughs> I will reach out. Great. <laughs> okay, round number two. Do you have a vague idea about Luca Mignata or Magnata? Uh, yeah. Okay, so that was the don't fuck with cats guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I don't remember too much about what his deal was other than he was tormenting cats on the internet. Um, and... Luckily, because there's still some good people on the internet, they, a bunch of basically Facebook sleuths worked together to track him down. It definitely took a substantial amount of time, but they were able to track based on location and screenshots and all kinds of just vague clues, um, and eventually he was found. But yeah, just kind of another scummy person who was torturing cats. (laughs) Yeah, he was also, like, he wanted to be a model. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't breaking through anywhere there, but he was lying to people about being a model. And then when he murdered the, uh, like, gay acquaintance that he had in Toronto, maybe? Oh, yeah. Or Montreal? Yeah. He was caught because of that, because he had sort of escalated his, his crime, which was just, like, That's right. trolling by torturing cats on the internet, which, uh, don't fuck with cats, is really great, and everybody should check it out. Uh, to to you know, it's it's a rough watch though. The the cat stuff is particularly sad, uh, but fascinatingly gross, weird person. And he had like a really odd relationship with his mother too. Like yeah, I forgot some of this, but that was a wild story. Um, yeah, I think what it kind of seemed like by the end was he was just someone who wanted to be infamous and is of the type where they don't care if it's for horrible reasons. Like he just wanted attention. Yeah, he was so obsessed with his own celebrity, because I think that was what they said about when he was caught, was that they caught him because he was looking at, he was like Googling himself in an internet cafe or something, just to know what the world was saying about him, because he just needed to be important for whatever reason. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Major Grosso. And uh, a real jerk. See, when you compare it to that, I just don't think what Anna Delvey did is all that no, terrible. No, not at all. Yeah, I don't think, yeah. I, I agree with you. I don't think Anna Delvey did anything. I mean, she's in jail like and that. she deserves to be there, but I'm just saying. No, this is apples and oranges for sure. It's like, 
don't know, whatever whatever the evilest fruit is compared to apples. All right, great job. I'm going to give you two points for that as well. Okay, and now it's time to play our first game. We're going to play I See What You Did There. Yay. <laughs> I See What You Did There is everybody's favorite game, except for the people who are playing it. And also the people who have to be the test subject for I See What You Did There every single week. <laughs> yes, listener, a little little behind the curtain is that Jenny will often be the person who I guinea pig uh, all of my I See What You Did There is on to see if she can guess them. And then I can adjust them because uh, a lot Spoiler, of these don't make any sense. <laughs> well, because a lot of them don't make any damn sense. But hey, that streak's got to break, right? This week, you're going to get them. Okay. Sure. So here we go. Number one. For I see what you did there. I want you to combine the author of the true crime classic In Cold Blood with the guy who slept with Samantha after going on a date with Charlotte in the Sex in the City pilot. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Truman Capote Duncan. You are correct. Truman Capote Duncan is what I did there. Very good. It's really fair if you probably had to look up Capote Duncan's name, or did you really just remember that? Oh, no. Well, the the podcast I listen to, the Bradshaw Boys podcast that I've been uh, listening to off and on, they got obsessed with Capote Duncan as a character <laughs> early on because they assumed he would be back. Because who has a name like that and doesn't come back to a show? Got but, it. Uh, yeah. I yeah. got one. I thought you were going to go with uh, John James Wayne Gacy, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would also have been good. But, yeah, you got this. You got this. Truman Capote Duncan. You see what I did there? I do see what you did there. <laughs> All right. Number two, don't get wrapped up in either part of this horrible beast, combining the way down diet creator slash cult leader and a classic living plant Dungeons and Dragons monster. Oh, I don't even remember the way down lady's name and we just watched that. <laughs> Nor do I know the second part. <laughs> Talk about her hair then. I don't know. Giant haired lady... Uh, is it Melinda? No. That's... Much shorter. It's a much shorter first name. Not, was it Grace? It's got a G in it. Gwen. Yes. Gwen. I don't remember her last name. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give you a point for Gwen, because you're on track. I was going for Gwen Shambling Mound. Shambling, that's right. So her last name is Shambling. The Shambling Mound was. And the Shambling Mound is a classic Dungeons and Dragons monster. You see what I did there? I, Gwen no, Shambling I Mound. Which, ironically, uh, if she was ever dredged up to the bottom of the lake, she might have been a Gwen Shambling Mound. Mm. Is that too dark? Not for her. Okay. Good. Good. All right. Number three. <laughs> the subject of the jinx who admits his crime while peeing with a hot mic mixes with this classic song about the tragic meaningless of life by Kansas. Did we watch the Jinx? Oh, hell yeah, we watched the Jinx, yeah. Remember, he was like a creepy old dude that killed his uh, killed his ex-girlfriend or his wife or whatever, and he's just being, like, way too cooperative and weird about it the whole time, and then, yeah, at the end, he, like, goes to pee and just says, like, yeah, I totally did it. <laughs> wow, I had blocked that one. Um, <laughs> he shares uh, his last name with someone who did it all for the Nookie, if that helps you. Okay, I'm thinking... I don't know. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to forward this one. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, so Robert Durst was the jinx. Right. Like Fred Durst. Not related, but Robert Durst. And Durst. And then the Kansas song about the tragic meaninglessness of life is Dust in the Wind. So it's uh, Robert Durst in the Wind. 
I see what you did there. You see what I did there. All right. And number four. And then we're done. Then we're done with I see what you did there. Okay. That, that'll be nice, right? We're going to be happy to be done. Okay. Number four. Put this 1902 book slash 1985 Richard Pryor movie about a man who must spend $1 million in a year to inherit $7 million more together with a true crime documentary about rigging a fast food monopoly game. <laughs> we watched this we watched this fast food no, monopoly one too. I remember the documentary. Too. I don't know the book and I don't was it McMillions? Was that the name of the documentary? McMillions, yep. I'm going to give you a point for McMillions. So think of like a movie that might have McMillions or millions in it in the title. I'm sorry. I I don't know. All right, all right. I'm going to give you a point for McMillions. Uh, I was going for Brewster's McMillions, the book being Brewster's Millions, and the movie being Brewster's Millions, uh, remade in 1985. I did not know that part. And yeah, it's a story about, so a person, uh, a gentleman named Brewster inherits a million dollars from a dying relative, and then finds out that other another relative, uh, their will requires him to spend that whole million dollars in a year so he can inherit seven million more dollars, which I'm sure all sounded like a lot of money back then. But now it's like, yeah, I can very easily spend a million dollars in a year. I don't think that would even be hard. Uh, but back then, crazy, crazy. All right. So you see what I did there? Three points on that on that game. Great job. Great job. So right now you are at 12 points Kay. is where you're sitting at the moment. And it's time for round number three. Okay. Do you have a vague idea about... Fire fraud. <laughs> a vague idea, yeah. I still don't know what the hell. No, um, Fire Festival was a festival happening in 2019? Um, I don't know. Anyway, these gentlemen organized a, I wouldn't say a fake event, but a very poorly planned event while also really hyping it up and promising celebrity guests um they got a lot of influencers to post about it basically billing it as this like epic event um and getting you know just random everyday people who happen to have money to buy tickets at like exorbitant prices and then everybody shows up for this festival and it's a hot mess and there's basically nowhere for them to sleep or adequate food and water on an island um so everybody was real mad and firefest did not actually really happen <laughs> yeah very good so yeah uh fire festival was supposed to take place in 2017 so you're really close it was founded by billy mcfarland <laughs> and everyone's favorite rapper ja rule that's right and uh they were supposed to have this music festival on the bah um, uh, Bahamian island of Great Exuma, but uh, and they used a bunch of social media people like uh, Kendall and Kylie Jenner both posted about it. Lots of important Instagram people posted. They had this big push, but Billy McFarland was a con artist who really like didn't plan to do anything. And I think what's interesting about the documentary, the fire fraud, was that it was kind of unclear whether he was really trying to defraud people or if he was just completely incompetent. And it seemed to me more like he was just incompetent. Like, he was a person who had an idea and, again, like Anna Delvey, convinced people that he had an idea and that the having of an idea was more important than executing the idea. 
and that somehow everything would just come together at the end, and it didn't. And uh, you get to see a bunch of rich people, like, uh, just eating crap sandwiches and barely <laughs> having water. Uh, there is one sequence where I think a guy, like, offers to blow a customs officer to get the water out of <laughs> out of lockdown at the airport, if I recall correctly. Uh, yeah, yeah, strange times we live in where you just pretend to be good at something and people give you a lot of money and then you run away with it or you just squander it on having pretended. I mean, I think with some of these, I don't know about with Anna Delvey, but definitely with like... You know, the dropout and Elizabeth Holmes, I think what maybe the fire vest guy is these people start out genuine, but then they get in over their heads. And then rather than just admit that they can't pull it off, they just fall further and further into their own mess and in the process become criminals rather than just say that they fucked up. Um, but yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of I think there is a lot of ego about this, right? It's like because some of this is just you want to transcend to that level where you're respected by people and perceived as important. And then once you get there, you don't want to give it up under any circumstances, even when giving it up is the only way to actually have a chance to do it again without being hyper-scrutinized. Like, they would have all been better off if they had stepped away and said, hey, you know what, I actually can't do anything with this. And people would probably be like, well, you're an idiot. But they might still say, like, you're an idiot, but you're a really good marketer, so why don't we do something there? But instead, you get all the way to the finish line and blow all of your chances. But, yeah, it's great stuff. It's great stuff. Two points for fire fraud. I mean, a name like Billy McFarland, who, who saw <laughs> right. any untrustworthiness coming. <laughs> basically like a character out of a musical. <laughs> yes, he's very, like, music man level, kind of trotting into town. There's trouble. There's trouble in Grand Eczema. <laughs> uh, okay, round number four. Do you have a vague idea about, I love you, now die? Ugh, yes. Um, <laughs> I grow because I just think this case is sad, and that's why I haven't even wanted to watch the new TV series. Um, I read this story first in Vanity Fair back in, like, 2016, and it was a really compelling story, but also just awful because it's two teenagers, um... A boyfriend and girlfriend. The boyfriend is really suffering with anxiety and depression um, and confides in the girlfriend and she somehow through supporting him but also not obviously supporting him manipulates him and basically like I mean I think he has a lot of suicidal ideation and she plays off of that and ends up in the long run basically talking him into killing himself by sort of like pseudo bullying him almost like taunting him asking him you know if you want to do it so bad like why haven't you just done it um i think she goes so far as to help him plan it or give him feed him ideas for how to do it at various points um yeah just a very sad case um i love you now die was the hbo documentary i think that we watched about it um and yeah i've just i think i've had enough of this story because it's so dark and Unfortunate. Yeah, and there's a Hulu series on now with uh, one of the Fanning girls. Yeah, with yeah. one of the Fanning, one of the Fannings. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it is. It's just like really sad that she just basically like text bullied her boyfriend into killing himself through very like, why don't you just do it? Like texts like that. Like, are you gonna do it today? And she it just, I mean, holy. Uh, 
careless and weird. And I think, yeah, th this is one where it's hard to crack because it doesn't even feel like a crime of passion. It just feels like doing something to do it. Like, I don't, yeah. what, what do you think the take is? Because I, I feel like when we watched it and even when I've like read more, I can't figure out, like, she doesn't seem to care about any of it. It doesn't seem like she's, like, she's not, not, like, she's not remorseful necessarily, but she also doesn't seem to have, like, a real attachment to the fact that, like, life mattered at all. <laughs> she sort of feels like she did him a favor because he wanted to die, and so I just supported that. And it's like, well, that's yeah, weird. It is very weird. I think I can only chalk it up to just how not right in the head some people are as teenagers. Um, that's the only, I think explanation I can come to in my brain is she just didn't even know what she was doing but I think the weird thing that we learned from like the HBO documentary is then she sort of thrived with all the attention following his death um so maybe that had something to do with it like she was also kind of manipulating some friends couldn't really keep her friendships so she was having to sort of like manipulate them by making them feel sorry for her so maybe in her head she thought that you know, having the boyfriend who committed suicide was, like, the ultimate ticket to people, you know, feeling bad for you and wanting to be there for you. Um, because I think at one point she goes so far as to, like, organize this huge memorial um, in her hometown rather than his hometown. And then she sort of treats the trial as, like, a big spectacle, like, changing her hair and sort of, like, dressing up for the cameras. So, again, maybe it comes back to just someone who really wants attention. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're we're finding a through line with all of these that like needing fame is something. And this is like this is this is a, a, a not that long of a walk. I don't think it's probably a moderate length walk. But like I think that's part of the problem with sort of America's obsession with celebrity in general. And then what happens when like social media combines with that? Right. Where like being popular is kind of the most important thing because even if you just do business, you have to figure out ways to be popular so that you can grab customers when everybody else needs attention. And in a time where attention is this huge commodity, uh, yeah, you're going to want to grab it wherever you can. I don't know if that motivated what she did. I mean, it, it could just be selfishly that, like, she was tired of listening to him be depressed and she didn't feel like dealing with it. I don't know. Like, it was all uh, gross. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, her name is Michelle Carter, and his name was Conrad Roy. Bummer. Bummer stuff. Yeah. I'm going to give you two points for that. Still only two. Still only two. You're at 16 I points, though. so much. I know you did. Uh, some of these questions are worth more than others. It's just kind of how the game goes. Uh, I don't know how much they're worth until the pen reaches the paper, and then the, the powers that be channel through me. It's a very Celine Dion thing. Uh... <laughs> All right, it's time to play our second game. We're going to play Fuck That Guy. All right. So on Fuck That Guy, I'm going to give you a clue about a person or the name of a show. So you, if you don't remember the person's name, you can name the show that they were the subject on. And you're going to say, I want to say Fuck That Guy. Okay? All right. Number one, this fake diamond-rich fraud and serial dater. <laughs> I don't remember his real name, but he is the Tinder swindler, I believe. He is the Tinder swindler. It's Simon Leviev. Leviev? I can't rem I don't know how to pronounce it. L-E-V-I-E-V. -E -E he said that he was uh, the son of a diamond magnate, uh, 
He was not. And he defrauded several women uh, via Tinder to give him money. And he basically crafted like a dating Ponzi scheme where he would have the new girlfriend fund the debt he created from the old girlfriend. And he just hopped around doing that, uh, having a free ride and pretending to be rich the whole time, spending someone else's money to do it. It's, uh, you know, again, fucking gross. And same thing, wanting to be meaningful and popular and known, right? I don't know that he wants to be known, but he wants to be perceived as known. And that that's part of the problem. It's like the same issue keeps coming up. Yeah. It's kind of wild. It's just very entitled, I think. Like, these people, I think at least, like, someone like him honestly just felt that they deserved this lavish lifestyle, but wasn't willing to, you know, fund it themselves on the up and up. So they were just sort of take Take, taking from anybody who would give and I, yeah I don't get that but anyway yeah it's one thing to like want some nice stuff and it's another thing to expect all the nice stuff and this isn't a matter of like well you gotta be willing to work because I don't think that's a true argument either but it's more yeah that like well, yes it, but if you want to wear like nothing but designer clothing like you gotta have a plan for how you're gonna pay for that that's all I'm yeah, saying yeah you gotta be a real human adult if you're not, not willing to leech. shop at Target, like, you don't just get to go, like, make other people fund your designer wardrobe. <laughs> Goddamn right. <laughs> so one point for that. Fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck that guy. All right, number two. <laughs> the Colorado dad who killed his wife and daughters and then pretended he hadn't for weeks. <sighs> Is there a show about that guy? Yeah, we watched it. Yep. His name is, like, Chris something? I think that's all I it, remember. It is Chris. It's Chris Watts. Chris Watts. That's right. It was like a documentary that we watched, right? Yeah, I guess Not it was. I guess it was like a, a, a documentary film. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, because he he lived uh, in northern Colorado and killed his wife and daughters and then stuffed them in like an oil tank or something at a job site where he worked or was had access to. That's right, and just kind of pretended to know nothing. But didn't he have a girlfriend as well on the side? Yeah, that yeah. he had a thing. secret girlfriend, and he had been, like, secretly, like, working out and planning this whole thing, and then pretended like he didn't know what had happened for a couple of months or something, and got a lot of press coverage as something tragic happened. And then it turned out, no, he absolutely did it because he's a piece of shit, and fuck that guy! Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. All right. You got a point for that one, too. Number three, this turd who pretended to be some kind of conspiracy alien Illuminati member to defraud restaurateur Sarma Mangalis. It's bad vegan. It is bad vegan. Once again, I don't remember the name. I think I just, I don't care about these dudes' names. That's how much fuck them. Um, but yes. I was genuinely conflicted. Like, as I was putting this together, I was like, I don't want to keep saying these people's names because that's what they want. It's basically the Tinder swindler, but with, like, an element of spiritual warfare thrown in for funsies. Like, yeah. And, and just the circumstances that she should have dated Alec Baldwin and just missed it. Just missed it by a second. And it probably would have been better. But, yeah, the, the person's name is Shane Fox. That's the, uh, the alias he went by. And his actually na actual name is Anthony Strangis. But, yeah. Just doing all this manipulative emotional shit, making phone calls, again, asking for huge sums of money to pay off someone who's coming to get you and to prove yourself to them and all this other stuff, saying that he was telling her that she, he could ensure that her dog lived forever. Right. 
uh, all sorts of mystical, magical, peanut buttery nonsense that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, while being chased by like entities and needing like ten thousand dollars to prevent being murdered by the entities, like yeah, right. stuff that totally makes a lot of sense and is really reasonable. Um, so yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Fuck him. That's three points for you. Good job. You are currently at nineteen points, which means you need one more point to avoid death. And there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time to play. Okay. You got all sorts of room. All right. And now, from the makers of Palm ou Palm de Terre, it's La Chose Française Arbitraire. That's the arbitrary French thing. And the only thing that's French about it is the name. So here's my question for you. I want to know how you've avoided being arrested for all these years when you're guilty of stealing my heart. <laughs> wow. Um... I don't have a good answer for this. <laughs> you don't have to have a good answer to something so stupid. I mean, I it's true, but I mean, uh, it's it's a silly thing to put you on the spot for. I mean, we'll find out. Like, I, I do take you for, like, coffee money every single day. So That's fair. So that. You, you keep me funded with... <laughs> Caffeine. It's um, a really long con, just one coffee at a time. But I feel like that's very reasonable compared to, say, like a $10,000 or it's true. <laughs> a Lamborghini. Um, no, I don't know. Um, have, you, have, you, has, have you ever uh, almost been arrested for anything that, that the statute of limitations has passed on? No, I have not. I think the worst thing that I've allegedly done is cliff diving in an area where you're not supposed to cliff dive. So. Oh, wow. How did you know that you weren't supposed to do it? Did, like, their park ranger come up and say, hey, that was bad? cliff dive anywhere in this particular reservoir. Oh, um, okay. Okay. No, I'm pretty squeaky. You're a good kid, yeah. Squeaky clean. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. I've been pulled over for speeding once, but I didn't get a ticket. Um, <laughs> fined $25 for making a business tax payment late. Um, Which can happen to the best of us. By accident. During the pandemic, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. See, this is I'm, just I'm really uh, boring. Actually, this is just recorded <laughs> this is evidence. Sad. No, it's uh, what's sad about that? You should maybe edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll think about it, but I'm probably going to keep it all in. I know you are. Because uh, <laughs> it's fun. I'm trying to think of anything I've ever done. I I don't like the worst things that I think I've ever done were like I I did uh, I almost got a speeding ticket one time because of. Uh, uh, driving a little too fast through Nevada on my way back from San Francisco in college, um, but they didn't. The guy didn't give me a ticket. He was just like, "Okay, here." Well, he gave me a, a ticket for like a parking violation instead of a moving violation, so there were no points. Uh, yeah, and then otherwise, I mean, I really, I, I haven't done anything either. I, I haven't done anything. I mean, you smoke a little pot, you know, whatever. Done stuff like that back before it was okay to do that. And, uh, and at one point when I was like 19, I did turn off a Pizza Hut in, uh, <laughs> in a mountain town in Colorado uh, on a night that we had kind of played Edward Forty Hands for a little bit, and we went running around. <laughs> but the, the Pizza Hut had like an unlocked power box, and I just was terrified when I pulled the lever, and, uh, and that red roof just went dark. I was like, well, shit. We ran away. Uh, so yeah. I feel bad about that. I guess I technically got coerced into trying to dine and dash one time, but we got caught and we paid. So I didn't, I didn't even successfully pull off a heist of all-you-can-eat Chinese food. But you did. But you did dip your toes into a life of crime. I felt the adrenaline. We'll say that. <laughs> 
Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to give you two points for Les Chaux Francais Arbitraire. Very good. You are now safe from death with 21 points. How's that? How's that? It's good. <laughs> you feel? Do you feel like you have a literal new lease on life that that death can no longer I mean, reach you on this me episode? To, like air all of my <laughs> bad behavior on the podcast. So I guess yeah, I've got nothing left. We've we've been cleansed. We've been cleansed. This uh, this podcast we to the other side. <laughs> we have. We have. All right. Uh, we're gonna play another game. It's a surprise, because we usually don't play many games, but we're going to play The Thunderdome. And this week in The Thunderdome, I just want uh, to discuss this briefly, even though I know exactly what your answer is and what the correct answer is, but the two combatants in The Thunderdome are Alan versus Pharaoh. Oh. What, what, do, I, what do I have to explain? They're, they're battling to the death, so who's going who's gonna to kill who? This is awful. It um... is. It's very awful. I know. The whole thing is awful. I mean, obviously Pharaoh needs to win. I'm not sure how that's going to happen because they both don't seem like the type to throw even so much as a punch. Um, I'm just going to have to hope that she, like, puts some rat poison in his. (laughs) (laughs) She has to build a time machine first, and then she has to be cognizant of what's actually going on, go back in time, and somehow take him out. By secretly poisoning him, I'm gonna go with that. I like I like that a lot. I mean, even you don't even have to do the poisoning if you just go. Okay, in the Thunderdome, Mia Farrow builds a time machine, goes back, recognizes what's happening, and stops it. That would be that would be a quality victory right there. It'd be better than what we got. <laughs> yes, it wouldn't. It might not prevent uh, different kinds of abuse, uh, but it certainly would be better than what we've got. Yeah, it's a whole. Uh, it's a whole awful situation, but Mia Farrow has to win because, um, yeah. The, my concern would be is that the Thunderdome could also be swayed by public opinion, and it seems like a lot of people still think Woody Allen's great, or at least they admire his work so much that they would be willing to to go to the mattress for him. And uh, that's why I'm so interested. <laughs> just go back. Yeah. Just go back and deal with it. This is baby Hitler scenario, is what you say? I'm not suggesting anyone do anything. <laughs> I'm well, just no. This hey. Is how- it, it could go down. This is a comedy trivia podcast. We are not influencing people's opinion, and we don't wish to. So if you're having weird thoughts about this, uh, talk to a professional or a family member. Let them talk you down. All right. Great job. I'm going to give you two points for the Thunderdome. You did it. All right. Uh, 23 points right now. We're going into the final topic. Are you ready? All right. Are you ready for the final topic? Yeah. What do you, what do you think? It's, do you think this is going to be hard or easy? <laughs> Is that the question? Uh, it's one question. I don't. There might. There, there may or may not be points. To this there may or may not be points attached to it. Uh, I feel like you've given me a lot of easy questions. This has been a pretty softball situation, so you're probably going to throw a curve at me here. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, maybe I am, but I don't think I am. I think <laughs> I think that you're gonna. I think you're gonna like this one, but it's gonna be more to talk about, which is which is gonna be interesting. So I ask you for the final topic. Do you have a vague idea? about Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Ah, okay. Sure. Um, None of these were very murdery, but that's good. Most of these are just weird, weird schemes, but maybe that's more our vein of true crime anyway. Um, Gypsy Rose's daughter, correct? Um, Yep. I'm blanking on the mother's name, because apparently I just don't give a shit about villains. Um, 
It's probably a better way for society to work is to not remember the villains at all. So Chimsy Rose is a young girl who uh, is basically a make-a-wish kid. She suffers from all these ailments that are kind of mysterious, including like being in a wheelchair. Um, but it eventually comes to light that it's a Munchausen's by proxy scenario. Her mom's been basically making her sick in order to get these sort of opportunities right like they're getting you know trips to disneyland and whatever else people can throw their way charity wise um and again probably just addicted to the attention um because this gypsy kind of gets a lot of media attention um they're very just sort of iconic in a weird way because they're very sort of a flamboyant mother-daughter duo um it's a little bit like uh, toddlers and tiaras, yeah, that's sort of thing. Probably... That that vibe, but with you know, fake cancer. And then so once this, once Gypsy kind of eventually figures out what's going on, including the fact that she doesn't need to be in a wheelchair, um, she meets this boyfriend on the internet, and they end up plotting to kill her mother to get her out of the situation. Um, succeed um and then get caught running away she i believe was not convicted though because of everything that was done to her um or if she was she had a very short sentence um but i'm pretty sure the boyfriend's still in jail yeah yeah boyfriend's still in jail i think yeah i think the gypsy rose got out after a short period of time because there was sort of a like self-defense angle on it that like you've been traumatized to the point where you're not really in your right mind about it Right, and there was probably not a lot of way out for her otherwise. I guess she could have probably gone to the authorities, but again, teenager not in their right frame of mind kind of probably convinces themselves that this is the only way out. I do seem to feel like she manipulated the boyfriend quite a bit to get him to kill the mother. Um, so Yeah, I think that I think that's right, that she was manipulating him. And it's sort of this thing, too, where, like, I... I can't imagine, there's so many layers to this, right? Because the mom's layer is she's getting a lot of community support and interest and fame and sympathy for having a daughter with all these issues. So she continues to perpetuate these issues, whether she initially started it or not. She might have been confused about something and then felt good about the attention. And we I don't know where the tipping point was, but... You have that, and then you also have uh, Gypsy Rose, whose entire identity is built around being a charity case, being a kid who has these difficulties, and to find out, like, no, I could have been, like, a normal kid my whole life. One, like, that's got to be psychologically, like, snapping. Like, you're you're going to break. And the other end is, is, like, well, what identity do you, do you forge after that? And how do you do that? Like, I could see how you would be like, I don't know how I could be anything else unless I get rid of this person who has earnestly molded me into this. Yeah, there's also some weird stuff going on, like, she didn't really even know her real age because the mom was sort of, like, infantilizing her even when she's 16, 17 years old, lying about her age, still dressing her up in, like, princess dresses and not really letting her watch anything other than, like, Disney movies, um, so, yeah, just all kinds of psychological damage happening. Yeah, and and, and that that really adds up into... I think the bigger question is, like, what apparatus do we have as, like, in communities, whether it's in a town or a city or a state or the federal government, to actually watch this stuff happen? 
And I think the answer we routinely come back to is none. Like, we really don't know what anybody's doing. And there's not a whole lot that you can do unless somebody knows to dig, which I think is what's so weird is that I... I, I, Well, they do, like, I feel like there were medical practitioners who were kind of catching on, but then they kept moving and changing towns, basically, so that they wouldn't get caught. It was another kind of, you know, dug-in situation where she, rather than admit that something was, that she had done something wrong, she just keeps, you know spiraling out with this lie and having to build a bigger and bigger lie to keep it up. Yeah, I guess that I, I guess yeah, what I'm kinda getting at is that it's odd that for a country that's gets so obsessed with like law and order on fifteen to twenty year intervals, we never at any point like actually question the levels of abuse that go on in the home or that go on between neighbors or that go on in these ways that are very like one, it's the most common way it happens. And two, it's the kind that pretty much everybody knows is going on, but nobody's able to say anything because it's as simple as moving away and then no one has an interest anymore. Or it's as simple as just telling one person, no, that's not what's going on. And then it gets dropped. But we don't actually like protect kids and we don't protect, we don't protect a lot of people in domestic situations. And domestic situations are one of the huge roots of most true crime. I mean, most of the people that we talked about were people who were trusted by someone in a relationship or in a parent-child situation uh, or a church. All things where, you know, there's an implied sense of trust that should not, I think, become suddenly not subject to the law when the law seems really obsessed about, like, well, what if this stranger gets angry at that stranger? And that seems stupid, because it's almost always people who know each other. Creepy. Super creepy. Dee Dee is the name of the mom. That's right. Dee Dee Blanchard. And, uh, yeah, you you nailed it. The Also, they were depicted in uh, the... Pre- wait, what was that? The politician. The politician. A, not an exact parody, but a very clearly, like, Gypsy Rose-inspired storyline in season two, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Good show. Yeah, great show. One of the one of the better Ryan Murphy forays of the last uh, of the last decade, and there have been several. So uh, yeah, great job. I'm gonna give you three points. Yay. So that means you have 26 points, which means you are safe from death, and you have the <laughs> number of points that aligns closest to the age that you look. Oh, I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm laying it on a little thick, listeners. Laying it on a little thick because I'm very grateful Never not. that Never. my lovely wife. Never not. <laughs> Very lucky that my lovely wife would would be a guest on this show, because, uh, you know, it's my annoying hobby. <laughs> but congratulations, Jenny. You have survived this week's episode of A Vague Idea. Thank you. I'm grateful for all the softball questions. This was much easier than previous iterations that I've participated in. <laughs> so... I wanted well. I wanted to make it fun that we could talk about because it's. I mean, I thought about bringing up the uh, the name of the young woman actress who was twice kidnapped by the same neighbor. Do you remember that documentary? Uh, I do. I don't remember. Abducted in plain sight. Yeah. I think is what it was called. That was the one with like aliens and shit. That was the, yeah. That was the one where they thought it was aliens, but it turned out that both the dad and the mom had been sleeping with the <laughs> weird neighbor who who was also basically trying to groom and sleep with the I daughter. Mean, how could you forget that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really funny when like an older dude is like, yeah, well, you know, I I had to 
I had to jerk him off because he, he said he was having urges and he needed it. And he was a neighbor and I trusted him. And it's like, what is going on here? Anyway, uh, so thank you again for being on the show. I really appreciate it. You do a lot of awesome stuff. Is there anything that you would like to plug that you want the listeners to know about? I knew you were going to ask me that, but I don't have anything right now. But Anything you want them to check out that you're into that uh, that you didn't do, but that you're you're interested in them knowing about? I mean... For the most part, I would recommend any of these documentaries or, um, I guess that's really how we consume most of our media. Um, I would skip the Tindler Swindler. It's not worth your time. Um, but the rest is pretty good. So Great. If you like this kind of thing and you haven't already checked out any of these, we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah, this is kind of a nice hit list of, of good ones. Um, we also just started watching this very evening before the record Under the Banner of Heaven with Andrew Garfield, and uh, definitely, like, good. Good stuff. So far. It's a, it's we, a we dramatization. We shouldn't vouch for it beyond, like, no, episode one, uh, because it could take a dramatic turn. Yeah, they could have they could have come out swinging, and it might just peter out. Um, what was the other thing we just watched that was, oh, Defending Jacob was fine. No, no. And not really no. worth, not, not, yeah, don't don't bother with That's that That's not even real true crime. That was it's, yeah, it's just poorly a written mystery thriller. <laughs> folk <crime>. Family <laughs> dad confusion great stuff uh all right listeners if you like this podcast please subscribe rate and review us wherever you listen that can really help us out you can also check out roll for blank streets of mage that's my actual play dungeons and dragons podcast there will be two episodes left by the time this airs so get them while they're hot and then go back and get them all when they're cold or room temperature at very least uh we would also like you to check out the music of Michael J. O'Connor. Go to michaeljoconnor.bandcamp.com. He did the theme song for this podcast. So if you like that even a little bit, guess what? He can write full-length songs, and they're way better. You're going to love them. You're going to love them. Uh, yeah. And then otherwise, I think, yeah, check out True Crime. And also, uh, you know, maybe think a little bit about the ways that uh, the real crime happens and how it doesn't happen in a lot of the ways that people say it happens, but it happens in more sinister, gross ways that we don't ever talk about because uh, lots of people get have their stories go untold. Word. And, uh, yeah, we need to tell them. So, we've all had a vague idea about true crime this week, and that is a good thing because the devil is in the details. Or at Firefest. Bye-bye! Big Ideas, written and produced by me, Nate Regolia. Information about topics often come from Wikipedia, so hey, why not donate a bit to that? Sound effects are Creative Commons public domain. If you like this podcast, tell a few people, and subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen. And if you happen to like reading science fiction, check out the small press I started with my friend Sean Brokowski. You can find Spaceboy books at readspaceboy.com. 